Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. And while you're doing that, um, we have a few announcements. First off, tomorrow we're having a new members class for those who are interested in becoming members at Liberty. We're going to be meeting at the Bonds house and at 6 o'clock. So if you are not already signed up for that and you are interested in being there, talk to me today. I'll get you some more information. Secondly, we were going to be having a Operation Christmas Child packing party next week. We're going to push that back two weeks um, as people recover in different things. We want to give a little bit more time to receive some more uh, gifts for Operation Christmas Child. So two weeks from next week, three weeks from today, we will be meeting after church downstairs. We're going to put together a bunch of boxes, load them up, and send them off. We will also be providing pizza for anyone who wants to stick around for that. A couple of more things. Um, for those who are seniors in high school up through their mid-twenties, we are going at the end of the year to the Cross Missions Conference. Um, it's going to be a great time. The price for that is $150. It covers your hotel, your transportation, and the tickets for the conference. Um, if you sign up by November 14th, after that, the price goes up. So, I encourage you to come. We went a few years ago, and it was amazing. Two more things. Up here at the front of the room, there's some boxes with life books, which is the book of John. Um, a lot of people in the last several years have taken these books, and whenever people are coming to their door for Halloween candy, they also give them a Gospel of John. So if you don't have any of those, we have plenty of them up here. You can come and grab as many as you want and take them back today so that when people are coming trick-or-treating, you can give them, don't give them just the Gospel, okay? Make sure you give them candy too, otherwise they're going to be like, what is this? Give them a nice piece of candy or nice pieces of candy and a Gospel to go along with it. And these Gospels of John's are targeted at... Um, teenagers like middle school and high school and stuff so they're great to give out to kids that are coming to your door and lastly um, I just wanted to put a little plug in uh, at the beginning of the summer I think it was we started um, meeting as men to pray and we met over the summer and then we took a little bit of a break and then a lot of us decided we liked it so much we wanted to keep meeting so it's actually I think the favorite thing that I've been a part of over the past six or eight months. I love meeting together on Tuesday mornings with the men to pray. So if you haven't made it yet, I encourage you to come 6 a.m. on Tuesdays. We meet down there and we pray together for about an hour and it is a great time. I highly encourage you to join for it. Um, so Hebrews chapter 12. This past year, our church theme has been what? The past year. Y unity and community. That's right. Our theme has been unity and community. We've done a lot of different things to try and help build that unity and community together. I think it's been a great year. And that year is coming to a close. At our church member meeting last month, Pastor Mike shared our, that our new theme for the next year or so is going to be Run the race, that's right, run the race. Um, so our lives as believers are often compared to a race. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. 
So clearly in our walk with the Lord, we're supposed to run in a way to win. And winning a race takes a lot of hard work. I have not, I have not won a race before. Um, I've only raced a, a couple, and I have not won. But I know, looking at the people who do it, it takes a lot of hard work. Right, Mike? Have you won a race? Probably. We'll just say Mike's won a race. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Paul says that he beats his body to make it his slave in order to run in the way that he needs to. It's intense language. You can't slack off. You can't get complacent. You can't expect to win it without putting in the work. Now, I'm actually going to let Pastor Mike take this passage in 1 Corinthians 9 as it is our theme passage for the year. So this morning, we're going to look at another passage that talks about running a race, and we are going to look at Hebrews chapter 12. In verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So there's some important things for us in this passage. There's something about a great cloud of witnesses. There's laying aside things that hinder us. There's running the race with endurance. And then Jesus, keeping our eyes fixed on him. And we're just going to focus on uh, the first verse this morning. And just really a part of this first verse and come back to the rest another time. So there's a, a therefore here. So, because of what, we should lay aside things and run. It says, because of, or therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. So, who are the great cloud of witnesses? Um, Chiefly, it's the people talked about in Hebrews 11, which is right before this. So, Hebrews 11 is known as the Hall of Faith, and it is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It tells of those who lived by faith. Um, Faith, as it says in verse 1 of Hebrews 11, is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. It says in Hebrews 11 that Abel walked by faith, that Enoch walked by faith, Noah walked by faith, along with Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets. So there's a lot of witnesses here, this great cloud. It says that these people who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put armies to flight, and received back their dead by resurrection. So they did a lot of great things there. But it also says that these people... Um, There were those who were tortured, mocked, scourged, and imprisoned. They were stoned, sawn in two, tempted, put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and ill-treated. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and caves and holes in the ground. 
It says that the world was not worthy of them. And this great cloud of witnesses bears testimony to the power of faith and the faithfulness of God. This cloud of witnesses, they're not spectators in the race, but they, were, they are powerful examples for us who have all... Or, excuse me. They are powerful examples for us of those who have already run their race. Um, the Christians during the time of this writing would have been facing persecution and would have been tempted to drop out of the race. And today, in our world, there are people facing, there are believers facing persecution, being tempted to drop out of the race as well. Um, but they are encouraged to keep running here, to look at those who have gone before them to the great cloud surrounding them so that they might continue running when things get hard. So, application for us here. One of the many reasons that we should spend time in the Word, there's a lot of them, uh, is so that we see this great cloud of witnesses. When we read through the pages of the Bible, first and foremost, it's to know God. It's to know Jesus. And all of the Bible points to Him. But as we do that, we also see how He uses people. He uses His people. How He uses those who put their faith in Him. You see that these people were not flawless, okay? They are sinners just like us. But the encouraging example is what God does in and through those who put their faith in him and run the race. We too are sinners in need of grace, but through faith in God, we can run the race that he has set before us, amen? And we see that example here. And if we're not in the word, we won't see these things. You won't be reminded of these things. You won't see how God used ordinary and flawed sinners to bring him glory here on earth. Reading the word and seeing these witnesses is a great encouragement to us to keep running. If you want to run well, you've got to be in the word on a regular basis. But the word is not the only place that contains witnesses, right? Um, There are many other believers who have gone before us. And reading missionary biographies, who's read a missionary biography before? I highly encourage it. Reading missionary biographies, those who are martyred for their faith, reading about those who have loved Jesus well, those kinds of books are also fantastic ways to strengthen your faith and encourage you to run the race well because you're going to see people who have done that and who gave up their lives for Christ. So if you haven't done that yet, if you haven't done it recently, I encourage you, if you want a list of missionary biographies, you can come talk to me or you can come talk to my wife because she loves reading and she has a, an awesome list. Um, but I encourage you to do that. And if you're, if you're the type of person that just doesn't read much, lots of these are available as audiobooks as well. We've listened to a lot of our, our missionary biographies as audiobooks. So I encourage you to do that. Um, so in the Word, you're going to see a, an encouraging cloud of witnesses. If you read missionary biographies, you're going to see that But we also have a chance to see another great cloud of witnesses every week. Every week. And that is right here when we gather together to worship. When we come together as a church. Last year's theme was unity and community. When we surround each other on a regular basis, we run the race together, we encourage each other greatly. Um, Even this morning, as I look out and I see your faces, when I hear your voices sing in church, 
You do a great job singing. Y'all sing wonderfully, and I love hearing your voices. When I witness you talking to each other and ministering to each other, and when people come up and ask me, hey, I, I've noticed this person's had a hard time, like, how do you think I could bless them? Um, when these things happen, it's awesome. It's the great cloud of witnesses coming together and encouraging each other to run the race. When I see you secretly give and help take care of each other, huge encouragement. And you do a great job of that, church. But when we're not here, when, when you're not here, you miss out on that great cloud of witnesses. And that, and that cloud of witnesses misses out on you. You miss the encouragement that you need and probably also miss an opportunity to encourage someone else who needs it. Um, a couple of chapters earlier in Hebrews, in chapter 10, it says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Coming together on Sundays, and coming together at Life Group, and Sunday Artists, and the Women's Bible Study, and Tuesday mornings to pray with um, men, through these things, we surround one another and encourage each other to keep running the race. And we become a great cloud of witnesses ourselves. So I encourage you as strongly as I possibly can to be here to worship, especially on Sundays. Be intentional in surrounding yourself with your fellow church members and let them be a part of your life. For your sake and for their sake. And if you're watching online this morning, that's great. Um, but as we've shared before, we don't want that to be a regular thing. It's there, you know, there's people that are sick this morning. And it's great that y'all can join us online. But don't fall into the habit of just watching from home because you need to be here to be encouraged and to encourage others here in person in the body. And there's a lot of reasons and justifications we can come up with to stay at home every week. And sometimes those are legitimate. Um, but we don't want to forsake the assembling of our of us together as brothers and sisters. We need that. We need that cloud of witnesses. We need each other. We can't run the race alone. We weren't meant to. So surround yourself with the body. It goes on, it says, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and sin that so easily entangles us. So there's, there's two different things here. There's sin, let's talk about, but there's also every encumbrance. And as believers, we know we're supposed to get rid of sin, right? We're not supposed to sin. We want to get, get rid of it. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, the encumbrance. So the, the Greek here means um, a mass or a burden, a hindrance, a weight, something heavy. Um, something that would keep you from running, or at least running well. Um, definitely something that would keep you from winning the race. So, has anyone ever tried to run carrying something really heavy before? Okay, It's challenging. Um, it makes it way harder. So right now, if you could imagine a race between myself and Logan. I've seen Logan on the basketball court. He's really fast, okay? 
I would not stand a chance. If Logan and I were going to run a 5K, he whipped me. Um, so I can promise you he would win any distance, really. Uh, I'm not that fast. But if Logan and I are running a 5K and he had to carry a 30-pound sack of flour, I might actually win that race, <laughs> um, especially as the, the race gets longer. But uh, if Logan all of a sudden had to carry a 100-pound sack of flour, has anyone ever picked up a 100-pound sack of flour? Okay, I have in Belize. It is heavy. It is very heavy. There's no way I could run, and I don't think you can run very well either, Logan. All of a sudden, I can win that race. And, but Logan wants to run in a way to win. So is Logan going to run with a 100-pound sack of flour on his back? No, he doesn't want to do that. You don't want to do that, not if you want to win. So if you want to run a race and you want to run it well, you aren't going to carry around a sack of flour. You're not going to be carrying around any unnecessary weight, really. You don't want to carry unnecessary weight in a race if you want to win. Because it would be a burden. It would make it harder for no reason. Now, some of you crazy people might train with extra weight when you run. I don't know. Does anyone do that? No. Okay, we have a lot of runners here, and they don't do that. Okay? Um, it's kind of crazy. But if you want to win and you want to run well, you're going to look to have as little extra weight on you as possible. Make sense? Y'all tracking with me? Mike's not here for that joke. Um, so how does this relate to our actual walk with the Lord? Um, the race we're supposed to run in this life, I think it's a little obvious, but just in case, so often we choose to weigh ourselves down with extra burdens and weights and things in our lives that might not be sin, but there's still things that definitely are going to make it harder to run our race. There are things that aren't helping us. John Piper says one of the lowest questions that we can ask is, is it a sin or not? The question we need to ask is, does it help me run? So does this car I want to purchase, does it help me run my race? Or does it add an unnecessary burden and weight to my race? Does this streaming service I'm subscribed to, does it help me run? Or does it add an encumbrance to my race? Does my choice of house, job, school, etc. help me run? Or does it slow me down and add extra weight to my race? Um, we should ask ourselves these questions. Does my phone... Or does my social media account or my fixation on the news, does that help me to run or does it burden me and make it harder to run my race? And that answer is going to be a little bit different for each of us. But they're questions we need to ask ourselves. When we make choices about how we spend our time, how we spend our money, our energy, we obviously don't want to choose sin. So that's a good question to ask, is it, is it sin or not? But we shouldn't stop there. We need to ask, does this thing we're about to do, does this thing we're about to spend money on, does it help me run or does it get in my way? Because we want to lay aside sins for sure, but lots of other stuff too. So one of my questions this morning for us as a church, for you sitting there, is what weight are you carrying around that you need to lay aside, set on the ground? so that you can actually run with endurance the race that is marked out for you? What things are in your life that aren't necessarily sin, but are keeping you from
from running well. And then cast them off because running with extra weight is crazy. That's crazy. And I believe that as Americans especially, this is a big question for us. Um, The wealth that we have in America far exceeds any other country in the history of the world. There's countless things to distract us and to weigh us down, countless things that can make it harder for us to run our race well. So this morning, ask yourself, does this thing help me run, or does it get in my way? So that's kind of the second thing here. Um, We saw we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, so we should be in the Word. We should be in church surrounding ourselves with those who will encourage us and those we can encourage. We need to cast off unnecessary weights and burdens. And then we get to uh, the sin that so easily entangles us. And the idea here is that our race is being attacked or surrounded or thwarted by sin. That's what sin is doing in our race. It's attacking. It's coming in and it's trying to stop us. And so we get entangled by it. It's like you're running a race, but your legs and your arms are tied up in chains. So, again, if if we go back to a race, Logan and I are going to run a a 5K and he would normally win. Um, If all of a sudden his legs and arms were tangled up or tied up or he had chains around him, I think I'd have a chance to win again, Logan. You're not going to be running very fast. Um, especially if you're tangled up and you're carrying that 100-pound sack of flour, which I think is some of us. We've got sins that we're letting entangle us, and we've got this other stuff. And we're trying to run our race while, you know, this flower's on our back and we're all tied up. And you're not going to run any race like that. You're not going to be running well. You're going to be hobbling along. Um, and let me tell you, you don't want to run tangled or tied up. At camp this past year, our summer camp, we played Ultimate Frisbee. Okay, lots of running in Ultimate Frisbee. And you're running back and forth all over the field. But our legs were tied up. We had, like, tied right around here. And for everyone who was not cheating, it was, <laughs> it was very difficult. Um, we're basically just kind of hopping around. Uh, you could not run very fast. And there's no way you could win a real race against somebody who wasn't tied up. So if you're in a real race and you want to run well, you don't want to run tangled up. You want to be free so you could run well and you could run fast. But a lot of us try and run this race while we're so tangled up in sin that we can't run. And it doesn't work. If you're tangled in sin, your race is not going to be going well. You're just stumbling along. And sin not only keeps you from running, but sin always leads to, as I, I say at IGY all the time, sin leads to death not something you want to be tangled in. Romans says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So for just a moment, I don't know who all is in this room and where you all are at, um, but if you're here and you haven't trusted in Christ, you're not a believer, then you're not actually in the race yet. You're still locked in a prison cell of sin. And the punishment for sin, the Bible says, is death. And guess what? The rest of us, we were in that cell too. We were all in that cell too. But by the grace of Jesus, we have been saved. 1 Corinthians 6 says, Do you not know 
that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Sinners don't inherit the kingdom of heaven. Such were some of you, it says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of God. Jesus saved us, and Jesus can save you too. He can transform you, and He can give you a new heart. He came and He paid the penalty for your sin. and He died the death that you deserve. And then He rose from the dead, He defeated death and sin, and He offers the free gift of salvation to all who call upon Him. So I encourage you, turn from yourself, turn from your sin, and turn to Jesus and ask Him to save you. I encourage you to do that this morning. And for those of us who have trusted in Christ, we have been transformed, as it says. We've been given new life, and we're not to live in sin anymore. We're not supposed to get tangled up in it. And when we do, we are to repent, cast it off, and run to Jesus. Amen? So if we want to see our church grow, if we want to see people come to Christ, if we want to be a church that is honoring and pleasing to God, a church that brings Him glory and represents Him well on earth, then we need to lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles, and we need to repent. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Psalm 32. Earlier this year when I was looking through our songs database where we keep all the songs we sing as a church, I was looking uh, for new songs to add and looking through our old songs and kind of getting rid of some and bringing new ones in. I found that we didn't have a lot of songs that were focused on repentance or confession. And then when I started searching for them, I found that it's actually difficult to find new worship songs focused on repentance or confession. It's just not a very popular topic. Um, But I think it's something that we need. And so I was talking to my wife about it, and she suggested that we go through and pick one of the psalms, one of the many psalms focused on repentance and confession, and we write a song together. And so we did that. That was the song that we sung earlier. It was written from Psalm 32. Um, So I want us to look at Psalm 32 together and see what it says about sin and what it says about repentance and confession. It says in Psalm 32, verse 1, How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Blessed is the one whose transgressions, transgressions are forgiven and whose sin is covered. Amen? That's what I want. Verse 3, When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Selah. And that, that's how unconfessed sin should sit upon us. 
We don't want to reach a point where we don't care and we don't feel conviction. It's a bad place to be. A place a lot of us have probably been before, and some of us might be there now. And if it is, if that's where you're at, you really need to turn from it this morning. You need to turn from it. Don't, don't stay there. If we keep reading, we see what we need to do with our sin. It says in verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Selah. And there it is. We, just, we need to come before the Lord, confess our sin. Decide, we're not going to hide it, we're not going to ignore it any longer. We need to take it to the one who can deal with it. Confession of our sin is important, and it's a seemingly lost thing by many today. But you're not going to flourish in your relationship with the Lord, and you're not going to run your rates well if you never confess your sin. You can't hide it. You need to confess it, bring it out, and deal with it. Going on, it says, Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. So my encouragement this morning is don't wait to come and confess and pray to the Lord. Do it today. He will forgive and He will offer protection. We can trust the Lord no matter what comes, no matter how the storm rages in the world and how it rages in our life. We just need to turn and put our trust in God and not in ourselves and not in the world. The final verse is here in Psalm 32. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, and whose trappings include bit and brittle to hold them in check. Otherwise they will not come near to you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like a horse or a mule. I don't want the sorrows of the wicked. I want to trust in the Lord and be surrounded by his loving kindness. I want to turn from my sin into the Lord. How about you, church? Amen. We should be sorrowful over sin. Turn to 2 Corinthians 7. So here Paul is addressing um, how he had previously called them out on sin. And it says in verse 8, For though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, um, for I see that the letter caused you sorrow, though only for a while. I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. For if sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. So Paul's not happy that they were made sorrowful, but that their sorrow brought them to the point of repentance. 
Sorrow, according to the will of God, produces repentance, which is a turning from sin. But sorrow of the world produces death, which we obviously don't want, right? We don't want death. And there's a couple of differences here in worldly sorrow over our sin and godly sorrow over our sin. The first is the repentance. Okay, we turn away from sin. We do what Psalm 32 talks about. We turn from our sin. But I think that um, for some people, at least for a time, sometimes we turn from sin for a little bit, but not because we actually have a godly sorrow, because Sometimes sin has consequences and we don't like it. And so we're like, ooh, that hurts. I'm going to turn from it for a little bit. But I'm not actually really sorry. I don't have a godly sorrow about that. Um, God set up the consequences of sin. That's a good thing. There's a reason for it. But our reason for repentance, our turning, should be godly sorrow over sin, not just a fear of consequences. It should come from a realization that we have sinned against God. We have sinned against God. Our sin is serious because we have done it against Him. And so we should be sorrowful because we sinned against the Creator of the universe and the Savior of our souls. So we should be brokenhearted that we have offended Him. It should be a a God-centered sorrow over the wickedness of our sin and not a a self-centered sorrow over the painful consequences of our sin. We repent because we realize we have sinned against God, not just because we're afraid of what may come from it. And so this is something God's been showing me in my life. I need to be sorrowful over my sin, not just because of potential consequences when I do something, though that's a part of it, but chiefly because I have sinned against God Almighty. I'm offending the creator of the universe, and I'm sinning against the one who gave his life for me. I'm hurting the one whom I love. So I need to take it seriously. So one of my prayers this morning is that we would see the depth of our sin against God and the seriousness of it, that we would confess and repent, and that God would give us a godly sorrow. If we want to run the race well, if we want to run the race with endurance, we can't be entangled in sin. We just won't be able to run. And if we want to run this race well, we can't live encumbered by a bunch of distracting things that don't really matter. We won't be able to run. And if we want to run this race well, we can't live apart from the body and apart from God's Word. Those things have to be priorities. If we don't make them priorities, we're not going to be able to run. And church, my encouragement to you is to run, okay? Run. You should be running the race. Don't sit on the sidelines. That is not a place for believers. Believers don't belong on the sidelines watching the race. We're called to run the race. And if you haven't been running, it's time to get up. It's time to get rid of those entanglements. It's time to get rid of whatever it is that's weighing you down and run. It's time to run and to run well. So as we close our service this morning and have the worship team um, come back up here, I just want to give us a little bit of time to do that as we sing together. So we're going to sing a couple of songs. We're going to start by singing Psalm 32 again together. And as we sing, I encourage you to confess your sins to the Lord and ask Him to give you a godly sorrow over them.
Ask Him for help to cast off whatever those things are that have been weighing you down. Ask Him to reveal those things to you. A lot of times we don't see them right away. They become a part of our life and we don't realize we're carrying this stuff. So as we do that, you're welcome to come forward. You're welcome to get on your knees as a physical act, showing your repentance. You're welcome to sit or stand, whatever helps you as you confess your sin and pour your heart out to the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for your care for us, that you love us too much to allow us to stay in our sin. And so this morning we ask that you would convict us of our sin, that you would give us a godly sorrow over it, that we would see how it offends you and that we would be broken over it. Help us to see our sin for what it really is. Help us to confess it and to turn from it. Lord, we ask you'd help us to cast off the things that uh, we've been carrying around that might not necessarily be sin, but they definitely don't help us run. Lord, help us not to be content with um, lesser things. We want to know you and we want to run this race that you've set before us. We want to run it well. So for God, for those of us that are hurting, that are held down by sin, that have these weights, that have struggled to be in the Word or struggled to worship God, um, we ask that you revive us. We ask that you would help us now as we turn our hearts to you. As we sing, soften our hearts that, may, that we may receive the word that was read this morning. Amen.